Hi, welcome everybody. So here we are with Ask Ed, and today is all about chatting about EPCs. So Ed, firstly, thanks for coming on. Uh, you've been very active within the group, really appreciate it, and you're giving massive value, which is what the group's designed for. But as we've been getting a lot of questions, I thought we'd get on, do a bit of a recording, and then start answering some of the questions. Uh, and also just help people understand what EPCs are. So firstly, what, what is your job? So my job as an energy surveyor is to as accurately as possible, calculate how energy efficient the property is based on the heating, the insulation and lighting. So I've got to go in, measure the property, look at those factors and then do some calculations. So that's an EPC then, is it? Is that, that that's is, what yeah. Brilliant. So what, what other factors, say if we, we've got to break that down, what would okay. we tell people that what the other factors are that you would say were important, especially for a landlord? Okay, for a landlord, the biggest, 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 biggest things are insulation and heating system and controls. They are the biggest things to focus on. So if you can, with the heating system, for instance, if you've got a gas central heated system and you do not have a thermostat, costs you only a few quid, that will have a negative impact on the EPC. It's very cheap and that will help pull the score right up. Wow. Wow. I didn't even know that. Um, so that's really interesting. So right now, there's a lot of people out there. Um, as we know, the rules are going to change. Uh, mm -hmm. They keep saying woolly timeline. So 2025, 2030, 2035, then back down to 2025, that they want them to go. If you're going to be a landlord, you need to let a property out at an EPC rating of a C. And yes. a lot of people are worried. What, what would you advise them to do? Or what would you suggest that they do? So the uh, growing thing that I've ha I have at the moment is I act almost as a consultant. So whether it's myself or whether you've already got a trusted energy surveyor, get in contact with them before you make any changes to the property and then ask them, look, have a look at this property for me and then give me some hints and tips as to where I can go to, to improve the efficiency of this property. So that one phone call could save you, and I'm not exaggerating, exaggerating here, potentially thousands of pounds. So make that phone call. If it's a case of there's no cavity insulation, well, there are grants out there for that. If there's no loft insulation, that's very easy to sort, or there are grants out there for it. Oh, you know, if it's identified that you don't have thermostatic valves on the radiators or a thermostat or a timer, all very quick, easy fixes, and that will that will help pull you to the to the C rating or above. So is that, is that one of your biggest bugbears, is it, that, that people just jump out there, think you've got to do it, and do it with no guidance and spend thousands? It's, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a bugbear. It's, it's, I feel frustrated on their behalf because, obviously, if you've got people that are invested in their hard-earned money, you know, obviously, from those investments, you want to earn money back. You'd rather not be spending out that money unnecessarily. You know, you want to be making as wise uh, investment as possible and getting as big a yield as possible. So that's why I say just a quick phone call to myself or to an energy surveyor um, and then just have, have them have a quick look and they can give you some hints and tips, particularly because of since 2017, we had the MEES, the Minimum Energy Efficiency Standards. And so any, every energy surveyor should have been trained in how to, you know, to advise on that. Yeah, brilliant. Um, do you need to be in the property as well? For an EPC, absolutely, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and what sort of things would you be looking at? As soon as you get into that property, you're just going to go straight to the things that we've just identified, or there, is there any other bits that you would be looking for as well? So before I've even knocked on the door, 
okay, you are looking, you know, you can more often than not tell the construction of the property from the outside. Occasions where that's that's masked, masked slightly, but so you should find that the energy surveyor will take some external shots before they've even knocked on the door. Then the first photo they'll typically do is the reveal or the recess, the thickness of the wall. That is to support what is the construction of the property. Uh, that's one of the reasons, of course, it's important to be in the property. And then you'll go room by room and you'll be drawing a floor plan. Uh, as you go, you'll be indicating where radiators are. Do the radiators have heating controls? Uh, you know, the TRVs, whereabouts, if there are any additional heating controls, whereabouts are they in the property? Where is the boiler? Uh, you're doing room height for, for each floor or for each extension. Um, and yeah, so you're looking for heating systems as well. You're going into the living room, the dining room, seeing a gas fire. You've got to identify that because they, they'll have different efficiencies. Are there electric heaters? Um, just as an aside, by the way, uh, some jobs that I did in Doncaster for a, a landlord. They this is an example of how flushing your money away uh, can yeah this cost them a heck of a lot of money. They took out old storage heaters. They took out old immersion tanks. They put in the instant hot water systems which go under the sinks, and they put in plug-in electric heaters, albeit new ones. Um, I couldn't lodge those EPCs with any with any um, conscience um, because I said to them, "Your scores have now fallen through the floor. You're not legally able to allow to to rent these properties out. If I if if I lodge my EPCs, you, you'd be screwed." Wow. So below an E. Say again. So it went below an E. Oh yeah, one of them was a G three. Wow. Uh, and the lowest is G one. So, um, yeah, it was, and that was eight flats. <clears throat> eight flats in the center of Doncaster. So this landlord um, said, what do I need to do? So I gave him really clear email. So you can't say, oh, I forgot. These are the heaters you need to do. This is the cheapest way to do it whilst also future-proofing yourself, you know? And uh, they ignored my recommendation. They went and put different heaters in, which were not what I'd recommended. So now they've had to tear those out and they're having to go back to my original suggestion. So they've they've ended up flushing money down the drain. That just shows you that, I mean, it is a scary thing for, for a landlord right now. Mm -hmm. um, so the point of this as well is to, to stop people getting in their own way. Yes. To stop them from not getting the deal because they don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, but also getting to the right people. So mm -hmm. who, uh, not the how, which is yourself, um, go to you. Mm -hmm. um, but... but wasting money i mean it's ridiculous i so think it's got a, it's, i mean unless well even if they're a multi-millionaire i imagine they've gotten to that position because they've been smart with their money and i imagine that they don't really like to waste money so that's got to be frustrating it was frustrating for me and i'm detached from them you know it's not a close personal friend or anything it's just it was so avoidable so so avoidable and like i say they if they'd have contacted me in the first place before i'd even visited before they've even, and that's not billable. I don't invoice for that, for this consultation. If they'd have uh, asked my advice, I could have let them know. Then they spend the money, everything sorted. I go and do my survey. They're happy. I'm happy. Everybody wins. Wow. Yeah, which is good. So great advice. Um, so thanks for that first part. Um, really good. Really informative. Uh, I, I feel we know what an EPC is, what you'd be looking for. Uh, that you need to be in the property, but also that you can save money. You need to get professional, really. So thank you very much for that one. No worries. Right, Ed, so what, what we've done is we've just discussed uh, what an EPC is, but now really what I want to do is just 
help people a little bit further and just to say, this is what you should be doing. So we know we need a consultant, but also I've heard that there are various different grants out there and there's also misconceptions about these grants. So I want to give them a bit of a guidance. Um, and I know it changes area by area and circumstance by circumstance. But what sort of grants are we looking at that people can get either for if it's their own property or if it's for a, um, if they're going to be a landlord? Oh, okay. The grant that's been around the longest or grants that have been around the longest are cavity wall and loft insulation. When the eco scheme, which stands for energy company obligation, was originally created, that's where the government signed up to the Kyoto Agreement and they effectively forced uh, the energy companies to do something. So the energy companies said, right, we'll offer free cavity wall and loft insulation. That scheme's expanded, 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 expanded. More and more measures have come on board. So you've got cavity wall insulation, solid wall insulation, external and internal. You have underfloor insulation where you've got a suspended timber floor or properties where there are cellars. Uh, you have obviously loft insulation, as I mentioned. You have got room in the roof insulation for those Victorian properties where that's a, a roof room up top. Uh, you have got replacement boilers. You have got uh, grants to replace old electric convector heaters to the new storage heaters called high heat retention storage heaters. You have got grants that replace the old storage heaters for the high heat retention storage heaters. You have got uh, grants available for solar. You've got grants available for air source heat pumps. So there are so, so, so many things out there. A lot of the grants in because of changes that have happened over the last few years are predominantly focused on the private, you know, owner occupied market. Uh, there are exceptions to that rule, and that can be based upon local authority. So again, it's it, it's worth just giving me a call, saying, Ed, I'm in this area. Can you tell me what, if anything, I can get for this property? Worst case scenario, I can come back to you and say, look, I'm sorry, because of whatever circumstances, because of the local authority, we can't do anything. That way you make sure you're not going to replace the boiler when it could have been done for free or heavily subsidised. Yeah, exactly. And and can they be for free, as in they're fully funded? Absolutely, yes. So um, I there's a, a few surveys that I've done just recently. So I, I survey for the renewables and things as well. And uh, I did a property which was out in Lincolnshire, right in the middle of nowhere. And they were wanting external wall insulation and solar. Now, it was a couple where they were on low income and they got health issues as well. So from that side of things, they as individuals qualified, no problems at all. Um, so because of the funding pot, they couldn't get both because both solar and external wall insulation are expensive measures, some of the most expensive measures that are offered. So they could choose only one, and they opted, in my opinion, for the smart one, which was insulation. Keep more of whatever heat they generate in rather than let it escape out into the atmosphere. Well, that's really good, and it shows that it can be done in various different areas, and there are different yes. factors that you can use, yes. especially if there's a medical condition. Yes. Um, I don't think, um, I mean, I certainly didn't know that, but now I do know that. Um, it's great that we're going to get it out there just to, to pass that along. Well, Hopefully if any of the listeners are there, um, mm -hmm. if, you've, if they've got any questions, I know they can come to you, but it's... Um... There, there's, there's wonderful differences here. So to give you an example, I did a, a, a property in St. Helens. This lady was a retired teacher. 
and I imagine on a fairly decent pension. Her husband was a retired head teacher who had passed away, so she got both her pension and his pensions, both of which I'm imagining are fairly decent. Her property was a lovely four-bed Victorian and terrace property, and she only needed a replacement boiler. I don't know what led her to actually reaching out. She didn't reach out to me directly, um, so you know I was there surveying for an installer. But in St. Helens at that time, the grants were if you earned, so she had had a stroke some years previous, and otherwise now she's in good health. And she, with St. Helens, it was if you had an income of £37,500 or less, then you would qualify. So she didn't qualify for an eco grant, which is typically if you're on benefits. She did qualify for a local authority grant. And it was if she was earning less than £37,500. She did not have that health condition anymore. And she was on a fairly decent income, especially for a retiree. And yet she qualified not only for a replacement boiler and all the heating controls, but also underfloor insulation, making a big difference to her property. So it's always worth asking. But you could go to the next council over, and the next council over might say, oh, you, you know, yes, she's had the stroke, fine. But the income might be you have to, you know, earn only a maximum of 20000 So that's why it can vary different, you know, between different councils. It's always worth asking the question. Yeah, for sure. And um, which leads on to a bit of a next question. So everyone's going to be thinking, I've got a budget. Mm -hmm. So what would you say about that budget? Oh, they're dreams. So the minimum energy efficiency standards training that I did uh, tunes you into making, you know, being able to recommend to a landlord or to a property owner this, you know, how to make as big a difference for as little money as possible. One of the ones that struck me the most Having come from a sales background, I'm familiar with the double glaze. Well, most people are familiar, familiar with the double glaze and salespeople try and put pressure on and tell you it's going to save your life and save you thousands. And we all know that's rubbish. Um, changing from single glazing to double glazing thermally makes the same difference. You know, it's the same difference as if you put draft excluders around your windows and doors. Draft excluders around your windows and doors, a few quid. Double glazing, thousands. So... Draft excluders, very simple, cheap way to do it. I mentioned already heating controls. If Even if you have no gas to the property or you have an electric uh, electric heating by um, anything other really than the, uh, the storage heaters, if you've got the electric convectors, changing over electric convectors where you've now got appliance thermostats or appliance, ideally, I, I, appliance timers and thermostats, they're not that much more expensive. That will make a healthy change for you, and it won't cost the earth. Insulation, so if you have an immersion tank and there's no insulation on it, you can go to B&Q and you can get yourself a, a jacket for your cylinder. Whack that on there. That will make a difference. Get your engineer out and get them to put uh, a thermostat on your, your cylinder. Again, we're talking a few pounds here. Makes a big difference. Loft insulation. Contrary to popular opinion, if you've got, say, 200 mil up there, oh, I'll put another 100 mil up there. It's going to save me the earth. It won't. It won't. It will make a difference. On the consultation side of things, if you are one or two points away from getting over to that C banding, and that's where you really want to be, then going from, a from 200 mil to 300, that could be what just nudges you over the edge. Low energy lighting, it's fantastic. We, you know, to, to have in our properties, 
it's not going to make a huge, 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 huge difference. But you know, it's one or two points. You know, it but doesn't matter, though, isn't it? If you need those one or two points, it, it's an option. Yeah. So there are all sorts of different things that you can do. Um, if you want to go to extremes, lower the ceiling height, but that's that's a bigger, <laughs> that's a bigger, bigger expense. Um, so yeah, if you are able to upgrade the heating system, again, you don't have to go for the Worcesters or the you know back seas and things like that. You can get yourself ideologic boilers. Ideologic boilers have been around longer than Worcester. You know, these are fantastic boilers. More often than not, it's how they're installed rather than the actual boiler is, is you know, where issues can come about. So, yeah, just yeah. there are so many simple little things that you can do. Um, if you are in or you have a property and it's listed, I don't know if that's a common thing amongst uh, the people who are part of your group, you are going to be bound by what you can do to the glazing. Survey the property in Newark just yesterday beautiful place turns out it was a cannabis farm previously <laughs> but, but that was a grade two listed property they can't change the glazing on that but they can do secondary glazing so that's one of my recommendations they can't put solar uh, on there they can't even put it on their land they don't have enough so but with them they've got an old it's oil fired boiler because there's no no gas to the village with them, they have not got even in this huge 17-bedroom property, they've not even got a thermostat. Put a thermostat in. Put a timer in. This is if they were going to rent that out. It's, it's going for sale. But, you know, these are simple little things. Mm. And that saved them thousands on a property of that size. Which is good. And I'm hoping the listeners, so listeners, if you're listening, um, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And this is great advice. Uh, you need to just go and speak to Ed. Go to Ask Ed or go to a, another energy. Uh, yeah. And they, they yeah. should be able to help you, but you've got to be in the group. You Ask know, Ed. if I can yeah. give also another couple of little tips. So I've got a client of mine who's very insistent. They are a, a landlord for um, a lot of student properties around, around the country. I've done some surveys for them via an agency. And they have come back to me and said, oh, you know, you've they've got typically when you've got the victorian houses they'll do the roof conversion the room and the roof conversion they can whack up another couple of bedrooms up there easily you cannot as a an energy surveyor do an invasive survey strictly speaking with our insurance we shouldn't even be actually going up into the loft we're meant to only poke our head and shoulders into the loft i have a different view of that if i need to be in that loft if i need like sometimes hot water cylinders are up there i'm in the loft i don't care you know i don't go around in a suit and tie I'm fine. Okay. Um, I'll do what I need to do to get the score to the, of that property to where it needs to be. But um, yeah, they contacted me because they said, oh, you've, you've recorded that the room in the roof doesn't have any insulation. And I had to explain to them, it's, it's what I'm bound by. It's a non-invasive survey. I can't go and drill boreholes and put my boroscope in and measure, you know, if, if somebody wants to come along, I've had a builder do this and they've cut an inspection hole. They want to do that. That's fine, but I can't do that. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to record something, I have to have proof of it. So in a case of a room in the roof, in the case of wall insulation, if there's no obvious signs of it being retrofitted, if we've got no documentation for it, our software defaults to what were the building regulations at the time. Building regs came out in the 60s, wasn't there pre-1900s. It's going to assume there's nothing in that loft. Yeah, And that frustrated them, but I said, look, 
on future surveys, if you can provide for me evidence, if you've got architect's plans, if you've got building control sign off, you know, where it specifies as what you've done, if you've got photographs from the builders, if you've got the invoices, which specifically label that or identify that property, then I can record it. Because if I get audited, I've got the evidence. So, so when if they've got that, um, yeah. so firstly, just to, to go back a bit for those that don't know what a boroscope is, uh, it's like a, uh, a little tool that you can push through with a camera on the end. So you drill a little hole, and you can you can push a camera through and turn it around at the end, and and it's like a long finger, like a long pen, really, that you push in, isn't it? Uh, so you can then check things. Uh, but ju just then going forward, um, sure. so say if they got pictures. And they got it needs to have the the address on there, does it? Does it? Yes. Yeah. We need as much evidence as possible. Um, there's a chap which did a survey out in Belper. He was uh, he frustrated he frustrated me. He called me on my way there, and he said, "Oh right, well you know we've done this to the property. We've done the internal wall insulation. We've done underfloor insulation. We've insulated the roof. You know we've changed the boiler. All of this." I said, "That's great." With regards to the roof, is there a loft hatch? Yes, there is. Great. I can evidence that. No problem. Boiler, I'll be able to see, of course. No problem at all. You say that you've insulated the floor? Yes. Okay. I've got no way of inspecting that because I'm not going to be lifting up any kind of flooring. Oh, well, 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 and he was really annoyed at me for this. And I was like, it's a limitation that I'm bound by. I mean, if you want to come and lift some flooring up and then I can photograph it, sure. I can get the tape measure up and I can show exactly what it is. Great. So he was frustrated by that. And I said, on the internal wall insulation, it's going to have been plastered, papered, painted. I'm not going to be able to see it. I can do, this is again, this is something which not all energy surveyors are equal. When you go into a solid wall property, you should find that they tap on the external walls. They do that because if we, if we measure a wall and it's 220 mil thick, that's solid brick. Okay. If it's 250 mil then that's a good indicator. Typically, it's cavity walls. It's not hard and fast, but it's a good indicator. If I'm going to a solid wall property and I'm measuring it 300 mil thick, then you're going to think, well, something's going on here. Is it rendered? Is it stone? Or what? You know, is it dressed in stone or something on the outside? Why could this be? If you tap on the external walls, you're going to get a hollow sound if there's insulation there. Okay. If it's obviously you know a solid sound, there is nothing there. Now. If we've then got documentary evidence to say that that wall is insulated with X amount of insulation, great, we can record that. But if we can't record that there's insulation and we've done that tap test, we can, on the software, mark down that it is dry lined. Now, that is not something that we can get audited on because you can't exactly send a recording of you knocking on the, the wall to your auditors to say, here you go. Um, but you know, you will need to show with wall thickness, there's a justification for it. Um, but yeah, tap on the wall. Okay, it's at very least dry lined. So even the best, hardest working energy sphere in the world, they might want to take your word for it. But if they do, and they get audited and they don't have the document documentary evidence, they get failed on that audit and then they get screwed. So you should have a good energy surveyor tap in on the external walls. Internally, this is to hear, is, is it at least dry lined? That's a little thing which can make a big difference to your EPC. Which is which is good to hear because I, I do hear of people laughing. And uh, I'm sorry, but people laughing say, well, it just came around and tapped on the wall. I said, yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> and 
they don't sometimes don't explain that. So <laughs> thank you for explaining. They they, they um, wonder why you're you're stomping your foot on the floor. It's like, well, because that's telling me is it a suspended floor or is it a solid exactly. floor? Exactly. Uh, okay. It's not just a crazy guy coming around bashing walls and stamping. <laughs> I, mean, I, I could be that as well. <laughs> but playing to a tune in the heads, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I think that's again amazing value for everybody that's listening. Um, I think it is going to give them some some great food for thought, especially when they start investing, making sure they get the documents ready, making sure that there's an auditable trail with the, the address on there, plus what's been done. And if they can get picture evidence, better videos. This better. is absolutely, if you are going into, so it was Alex, Alexander Richard asked about, um, you know, obviously going to be going and renovating properties and things like that. Make damn certain your builders, if you are not having, you know, if you're not having to get planning permission, you know, for any changes you're making to that property, um, or if the building uh, controller involved, obviously you want to get specific details. This is what they expect that I need to get. The, you know, this is the insulation I need to have in the walls, the floor, or the heating system, the glazing, whatever it might be. If you don't have those things, but you're getting builders in to do work, get the builders or be there yourself and take the photos. If you're putting any kind of insulation in there, put a tape measure up against that, you know, that insulation. So we can then show right to our auditors, excuse me, to our auditors, we can then show this property has, and in that floor, we can see there's a hundred mil of Kingspan insulation. Great. Behind this plaster papered wall, we can see that there's 75 mil, you know, of, of insulated plasterboard, whatever the situation might be, you know, then we've got documentary evidence. It's too late after it's already, that floor's been laid, that wall's been plastered. It's too late at that point. Of course, yeah. And you don't want to be going back and uh, hacking away at it when you've just had something Definitely done. Not. No. Definitely not. But brilliant, thank you. Um, okay, so what we'll do now is we're going to go on to, we had a few questions in the group. Um, uh, so we'll go through those. Sure thing. And then we'll we'll, we'll talk about how, the, the pros, the cons, and how good and bad they are. Um, and I think the first one, uh, was to talking about heating, uh, and in particular, electric heating. Okay. So electric heating, the way that the, the rules stand within our EPCs currently, if you have uh, electric convectors, no matter how great they are, no matter how fancy they are, I have one actually in the, the room that I'm in right now. It is the fanciest thing I could have bought. But if my property was heated by only those, the score for the UPC would go through the floor. However, old, as much as they might look old and knackered, they might be falling apart, storage heaters, they actually score higher than my newer, fancier, not quite as expensive, but, you know, a fancy uh, heating system. And it's, it's a limitation within the software currently. That is going to change because of how things are, are moving more and more electrical technologies are coming out there so the software and you know will will catch up but currently if you were to go and invest as one that happened fairly recently as well in an electric combi boiler which was an amazing piece of kit which could connect to your electric underfloor heating to your air source heat pump to your solar panels it was insane how great this was but because of the limitations within the software currently the score for that EPC fell so that it actually became an F rating from a D rating. Well, wow. because previously it was 20, 25 year old storage heaters. 
logic does not happen in it's that crazy, situation. It's crazy I know. to think. It's crazy to think, isn't it? Because this is newer technology, so you'd have expected it to be yeah. uh, something that's so, not scoring higher. Yeah, this will change, as I mentioned. But currently, if you are bound by, okay, look, we've got an oil, you know, we've only got oil, LPG, or electric as our heating sources, potentially, you know, those are the options available to us. What I would typically say to you is, so we have to go by what is the majority heating system, the main heating system in that property. We can put in secondary and additional heating systems as well. But if you have a property where it's currently got all storage heaters, okay, but you are wanting or needing to replace some of those, replace, as long as you leave the majority of the heating catered for by your storage heaters, replace them with electric convectors that are programmable and thermostatically controlled, right? Have them hardwired in because anything that's just plug-in, we can't we can't include on an EPC. It's considered portable heating as it's ignored. So yeah, electric convectors, hardwired, programmable, thermostatically controlled. Ideally, ideally, as it stands at the moment, stick with storage heaters. But what you must go for is, because they're not sold, the older ones are not sold anymore, is high heat retention storage heaters. HHR, uh, most common brands are Elna, um, and then Elna Ecombis and the uh, Dimplex Quantums. Now, they are pricey pieces of kit. You're talking, I think, low end, I think, 400 quid per heater. So depending on size of the property, that can get really expensive. Yeah. So what I would say is, let's say you've got a four-bedroom property, okay? You've got a living room, you've got a kitchen diner. If you were to have, say, in that, you're assuming that you're going to have heating in each of those habitable rooms, if you were to have downstairs storage heaters and upstairs the electric convectors, then we can record those the main heating as being heated by the storage heaters, and then the secondary heating is the electric convectors. That's a much cheaper way of you getting that electrically heated property to score right to where you need it to be, but without having to weigh out an additional four, five hundred or more quid per bedroom as well. Per room, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is good. That's a good hack uh, and a good tip, really, because mm -hmm. until it changes, is it is a change likely to happen soon? Or is it? It is. It is, yeah. So it's, we've had a recent change, which, because part of an EPC take, takes into account the cost of the fuel. So any of those that uh, put those with properties that are off mains gas and they have LPG as their fuel, you know, um, your EPC will be scored down if you're using the canisters rather than if you've got the tank. It's backwards. It is backwards, but again, it's a limitation within the software okay. because buying those tanks, buying those cylinders, excuse me, costs a lot more rather than having the van turn up or the lorry turn up and just fill up your existing tank. So, crazy. yeah, it's crazy. So there has been a recent change over the calculation because obviously there's been some changes in the energy market as to electricity and to gas prices. But it doesn't currently really affect your EPC score. Right. Well, hopefully that'll stay the chain. It stay the same way. The change doesn't happen. Uh, so yeah, the, so the changes happen for the better. So the changes will happen for the better because, like I said, given the most extreme example I can give is probably that e that electric combi 
that is an insanely efficient piece of kit that is and also a very pricey piece of kit it's you know the same as a premium end boiler an incredible piece of kit but the way it had to be recorded was as <laughs> um the instant on hot water and plug-in electric heaters that's how this amazing piece of kit had to be recorded insane sorry not plug-in hardwired I couldn't couldn't comprehend it. I actually had to speak to my accreditory body and say to them, "How am I meant to lodge this?" Because it was the first time I came across one of these, you know, these fancy combis like that, the electric combis. And that's exactly from from them, from their greater experience, from their greater knowledge. That's exactly how they told me I had to record it. So it is going to change. That's going to be happening, I'd say, imminently. But if you are in a situation right now, if you've got an APC that's running for another one or two years, let's say, and it's within that E, you know, A to E banding, and you've got no desperate need to change anything within the property, hold off. Okay, mm. hold off. Then if you're thinking, okay, now we want to get it to that point where we want to go super, we want to get this property where we can spend the money on it and forget it for years. That's when, by that point, the changes would come into account. Then we can look at your air source heat pumps. Then we can look at connecting that to solar. Depends on how fancy you want to go and how much money you got, obviously. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Which is always the same. It's always yes. budget. So that's the reason, again, bringing you on is because they're, they're predominantly uh, people in, in the group. They're mm. all to do with keeping the budgets good, but also providing value to, to, the, um, to yeah. the tenants. So they do care. <laughs> I'll say that they, they do care. They do want to provide excellence for, for it, but they just want to do it pragmatically, uh, which is great. Um, I think what we should do is go on to the next uh, question that we had. Um, so this one was to do with air source heat pumps. Yes. Can we talk about air source heat pumps? I've Absolutely. heard good and bad things about these, um, especially with EPCs as well. That Again, like we said, the software needs to catch up is that is that caught up so air source heat pumps yes so if i if i was going to a property and it's fueled by an air source heat pump or heated excuse me by an air source heat pump the score will be good the score will be good it's not going to be currently sort of scored down or anything like that because it's still considered like a renewable heat source typically they're brand new installs and also you'd be crazy not to have the full set of heating controls which is on every single air source job i've been to ever has always had the full set of heating controls. So it's going to surprise me if I ever come across where it's not that case. So air source heat pumps are fantastic, fantastic technology. It really, really is. Like a refrigerator in reverse is pretty much how it works. So even right now, I look out the window, there's snow falling. It'll be able to extract heat from that, you know, from outside. They work in polar, you know, conditions, Norway, Iceland, places like that. They have air source heat pumps and they heat the properties so it heats it a different way you've got a low lower flow temperature so you are you're not kind of heating your property maybe to the same temperatures you're used to you know where you've got a big burst of high heat this is a more consistent and good heat um which is a little bit of a change for people so electric uh, the air source heat pumps are fantastic technology but yes you do need to have if you want to get the best result from them you need to make sure that property is as insulated as as possible what they call the thermal envelope so the floor the walls the ceilings if you can have those insulated 
you will have the best effect, the best response, best return from that SLC pump. Right. That's really good. Because I feel that the way forward is probably the electric heaters, the air source heat pump. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the other one that I was going to ask about is the infrared. Forget them. Uh, if, Forget yeah, them. infrared. Infrared, again, from an EPC point of view, it's on, on its backside. The score falls through the floor. Infrared, myself, I'd considered. It made sense to me. Well, if it's like the sun, as long as you're in the the sun path, you know, you've got the sun beating down on you. Hey, I've, yeah, I have that. That's fantastic. The only exception is where you start to spend an insane amount of money, which is where you have them mounted on your roof, on your ceiling, excuse me. Because then they are typically very large. And no matter where you are in that room, you are catered, you're heated by, you know, by that, uh, that radiant heat by the infrared heat excuse me so most people don't have that they have it in place of where an old heater was or an old radiator was and so anything that's in the way of that anything that's in the way of that heater is getting the heat before you and possibly actually blocking the heat from you so you have to make sure you stay in one spot you know as long as you're in the, the path of that infrared heater but from an efficiency point of view, rubbish. From a cost point of view, unless you're spending a lot, a lot, a lot of money mounting it to your ceiling, it's not worth it. If I if I can also on the air source heat pumps, just one thing that is vitally important. Um, I've mentioned this a number of times recently, so I may have even mentioned it to yourself, guys. So apologies if I'm repeating myself, but don't worry. Um, when I was going through the training to do the heat loss calculations and, and do the system design, we had the, the guy that was teaching us, fantastically knowledgeable guy, been doing this a long, 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 long time. I, you know, he was like, okay, and so this is it. And I was, I was thinking, oh my God, the course is like an hour and a half, ending an hour and a half early. I was got kind of excited. But just as the point where I was like, okay, great, already planning what I'm going to do for the rest of the day. He actually said, but whilst this system's functional, right, and the customer would mo more than likely be happy with it, if we change, so just watch what happens if we change just two of the radiators, which were older radiators. If we change the radiators over to the newer ones, watch what happens to the system. Now, there's a, a ratio, they call it one in three. Or, so you put one energy, one unit of energy into an SLC pump, you should get three out. So 300% efficient versus your latest, greatest gas combi boiler or LPG combi boiler, that kind of thing. You're talking about 91, 92%. Wow. So you go, well, that's amazing technology. And it will be way more efficient than those combis and all that kind of stuff. But if the system is not designed correctly, if all factors, pipe work, insulation, even any kind of blockages within the system, you know, if you've got kinked kind of pipe work, that will have an effect. So making sure that if it's surveyed and designed right, this is the long-winded way of saying it, if that system is not designed right, then it is going to have issues. So as you would do, as you would expect to do with, if you're going to get builders in, you get your three quotes, you obviously want to look at jobs that they've done, you want to make sure these people that you're trusting know what they're doing. I would say when it comes to investing 14,000 plus for an air source heat pump, 
assuming you're having to pay for it yourself. Make damn sure. If you're speaking to a company, ask, tell me the name. I want to know the name of the person that's coming and doing my system design. Research them. How long have they been doing it? How many systems have they designed? Because if they screw up or aren't quite as thorough in their bit, the installation crew can be amazing. The rest of the company can be amazing. But that system is not going to run as it was promised. So it's it's essential to do your research on that. Yeah, you definitely need the right people. They need the right people to come in and uh, just make sure uh, that they're going to be doing it. Stop the blockages. Make sure the system is efficient. Absolutely. That's really good. That's great advice. Um, I do think, again, that that's technology going forward. I, I think it's going to be a game changer. Um, I do think that the government will still push for all new builds to to not. Is it by 2035? Is that correct? Or is it 2025? What's that to remove gas? Gas from all new builds. Uh, I think it was 2030, wasn't it? I know the, the goalposts keep changing, but again, yeah. it, there's something there that's happening in the background um, to keep the eye on. Uh, and these technologies, because this is happening, these technologies should come on in leaps and bounds because they've got to, because there's going to be a market for them, because there's going to be a high demand, which then should be uh, good for those that are just refurbishing older properties and they just want to increase the energy efficiency yeah. rating. In terms, in terms of the technology, the technology has been around decades and it's just more about our adoption of it and the experts we have within this country. That's the only factor. The technology is amazing. The technology is is there and has been there for a long time. It's just what experts do we have in this country? Well, they're more than likely going to be have less knowledge compared to the likes of somewhere, you know, people in Norway, for example. Um, but yeah, system design, essential. So if you're if you've got a heating system currently and it's it's going great. You know, stick with that. Stick with that for the time being. Air source, I think, yes, more, more likely, especially for the rental market, future technology rather than right now. That would be probably my best advice because fourteen thousand minimum to go and put your air source seat on them. Mm, nah, because then all the other work you've got to do to it, the Victorian house, you've got to insulate those that floor, those walls, the roof, everything before you've even put the heat pump in there. So yeah. That's really good. Anyway, thank you very much for your time. I think this is a perfect time to wrap it up. Uh, what I want to do is just summarise things. Uh, and if you want to jump in, jump in. But I think the top tips that you mentioned is go get a consultant. Absolutely. And the reason you do that is because they're more cost efficient, because then you can start looking at what you need to do, but putting the minimum in to increase the value of your EPC to the whatever you need to, to be at for that time. Yeah. So with that, if I can just quickly say, I may be biased in this. I originally I started in the grant industry before I actually did the surveys, uh, if that makes any sense. So uh, yeah, started in the grant industry. So if you can have an expert which um, has got a lot of grant experience, and if you say to the energy surveyor to you know that you're consulting with, what do you know about Mies? Mies M E E S. What do you know about Mies? And if they've got a blank face on them move on because minimum well, energy efficiency tip. standards they should know that stuff so they ask really the right know. questions oh hell yeah um and i would say that then anybody that's doing a, a refurbishment yep. or they're improving an area make sure they document it make sure you've yes. got your address Absolutely. pictures uh, sizing so put a tape measure there 
uh, receipts, uh, builders to do this for you, videos, just to make sure this there. It's, it's good for your own records anyway, I imagine, as a business. Obviously, you're going to have those receipts. But just to make certain that you've got as much detail as possible, that can ensure you've got an accurate EPC. Some EPCs cannot be accurate because we can't see what's behind the wall or, in some cases, in the roof so or in the floors. So document it, and you'll, you'll make sure you've got an accurate EPC, and you'll be laughing. Brilliant. Uh, and then just look at the future technology. So yes. they're just my takeaways. If you've got anything to add, brilliant. So No, I'm happy to answer any questions. Obviously, anybody else, just hit me up. Ask Ed. Uh, and that's what I was going to do. So uh, when I put this out, uh, what I'm going to do is, if it's okay, I'm going to pop your details at the bottom. Um, if there's a take-up for this, would you be okay doing a live Zoom where we, people can just come on and ask you questions? We record it because it would be beneficial for, for anybody. And then they can ask direct questions that maybe about their properties. Good yes, point. I know you need to go in there, but at least they can give you a, a bit of a breakdown of it and we can talk through it. More often than not, the first port of call is... Because typically I'm getting phone calls whilst I'm driving and things like that. I say, look, can you text me over the address? And then when I get a moment, I then look at the existing EPC, I look at Google Earth, look at Google Street View, I look at as much detail as I can prior to even visiting. So without even visiting, I can then say to you, okay, assuming what's on that EPC, there's no changes that have happened. This is what can be done, can't be done. This is what I'd recommend. So that's without me even needing to visit. Real. That's amazing. And, and do you know what? I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time today because you've taken time out of work to come here to give value to, to everybody that wants to listen. Um, I will be promoting this as much as possible just as a thank you. Um, but also I will be then popping your details below. So okay. I'll, I'll finish off this with your details, but also uh, I'll put a link in there just so people can contact you. Get in contact. Uh, anybody, if you're interested in finding out more, go to Ask Ed. Uh, I do trust Ed with everything he does. I've been speaking to Ed weekly uh, for a number of weeks now, uh, and the knowledge that he's got in his brain is is second to none. It's amazing. So please get in contact. Anyway, thank you, Ed. Really appreciate it. Very welcome. Appreciate your time.